Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorinda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorinda, wife to one, mom to eight, Nana to 10 and 29 year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books, a devotional for homeschooling moms and two books on taking a simple unhurried approach to homeschooling. You can find all three of those books on Amazon. You can also find them at my website, DorindaWilson.com. And also at my website, uh, you may not know, I have a search bar on the podcast page of my website where you can put in keywords and uh, the topics that you want to listen to uh, will come up. So uh, just so you know, I have, we're coming up on 500 episodes. So there's a lot of content there that I encourage you to go back and find things that you need to hear about and be encouraged. So I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. I also want to share my favorite math resource with you. Um, I received a heartwarming message from Rachel in Oklahoma that I just had to share with all of you. Rachel writes, I've gotten my son on CTC math. He's the oldest of my five kids and he absolutely loves it. He shared how it allows him to progress at a pace that's right for him much faster than our previous material. And here's the cherry on top. This shift has gifted me an extra 20 minutes, allowing me to focus more on my two and three-year-olds. Rachel says, thank you for sharing CTC math with your listeners. It's already making a huge difference for us. Friends, if you haven't yet, it might be time to explore what CTC math can do for your family. Jumpstart your your child's math journey by visiting ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. And I'll leave a link in the show notes. So moms, although today's episode is a tender one, I thought it was an important one to address and to do so gently and with a biblical perspective. So I'm really thankful to have a very special guest walk us through this. But before I introduce her, I want to share a message from our sponsors at Excel College, whom we recently had on the podcast. We all want our kids to grow up to be wise, mature, productive adults who follow Jesus and live purposeful, fulfilling lives. Nowadays, many parents are wondering if traditional college is helping or hurting that process. My friends at Excel College are changing the game in higher education by allowing students to combine a world-class, biblically-based liberal arts-style curriculum with hands-on skills training as they finish their degree and get this, you guys, just two and a half years. All of this will learning to thrive in the context of Christian community. You know what the best part is? Their model helps students graduate debt-free. So if you want your student to learn how to build a life, not just make a living, send them to Excel College. They have just a few spots left for their January cohort. Learn more at theexcelcollege.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes. So grieving the loss of your baby to stillbirth or miscarriage can be lonely and agonizing. As most of you know, uh, our family has actually experienced both. I've had five miscarriages, two of our daughters and one daughter-in-law have had miscarriages and our first grandson was stillborn. So we are no strangers to the overwhelming sorrow and loneliness and fears that come with this kind of loss. So today, I'm praying that this episode can bring hope to those who have experienced this or know someone who has, as Jackie Gibson tells her story and the biblical truths that she gleaned from her journey through the deep loss of her daughter, Layla. So just a little background on Jackie. She is the author of You Are Still a Mother. She enjoys the privilege of being at home with her two youngest kids and loves leading a women's Bible study and getting to know students and their families from Westminster Theological Seminary 
where her husband teaches. Gibson is from Sydney, Australia, but currently resides near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She's married to Johnny and they have four children. In her spare time, Gibson loves reading broadly, watching any shows about food, meeting friends for a meal, brunch is her favorite, and seeking out a great flat white coffee. If she had a day off, she'd probably try to find the nearest beach, her favorite place this side of heaven. Welcome, Jackie. I completely agree with you on the beach thing. Yes, I love the beach. <laughs> I need to get my beach fix at least once a year, if not more. Oh. Definitely, definitely. Well, I have read through almost all of your little book, You Are Still a Mother, and I was just really, really drawn into it because I could so relate to so many things that you talked about. And um, so I'm really glad that you're here today to sort of share some of that with us and let moms know where they're going to be able to find this this little book. Um, But this book is very personal. It's extremely personal. And in it, you share your own experience with stillbirth. And so I would love for you to just share a little bit of your story here with the moms. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for having me, despite it being a a sad topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were given a son, Ben, in 2012 with no issues. The pregnancy was very straightforward. Nine months later, we had a beautiful baby born, born without complication And then when we started to try to conceive again, it took a lot longer this time than we were expecting. So we walked through a season of secondary infertility, they called it, unexplained by medical professionals. But after about two and a half years of praying that the Lord would open my womb again, he graciously did. And I think because of the slightly longer wait this time, I just felt instantly bonded to this baby right away Mm. and connected during the pregnancy, which as the first one progressed very normally initially. We got through our scans with nothing flagged, no anomalies, no health issues. And so we just assumed that our baby would be born somewhere around her due date. She was due Mm -hmm. in the springtime. This was 2016, so about seven and a half years ago. But a few days before her due date, I just felt like movements had slowed right down. Mm -hmm. So I was obviously anxious and called the hospital and asked, could I come in? And they sort of said, "Take take a breath why don't you monitor movements first? So lie on your side, drink something cold, go away from distractions. And so I took their advice and I did that. And I did feel this baby moving and I counted the movements and there were quite a few. And so when I phoned them back and told them, they reassured me that everything sounded great and uh, we were were all set, keep going Mm -hmm. as normal. Mm -hmm. So we stayed home and... Uh, the next morning I woke and I just wasn't sure if I had felt any movement at all from our baby. Mm -hmm. So my husband, Johnny, and I drove straight into the hospital and after waiting and machinery not working, Mm. finally uh, they were able to confirm with those six words I know mothers listening have heard Mm -hmm. before, sadly. I'm sorry, there is no heartbeat And Mm -hmm. it was this crushing realization that our baby had died very close to her due date. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't for 
four days until four days later that I actually gave birth to her. It was a daughter as I um, am referring to her and we named her Layla, but she was stillborn at mm-hmm. 39 weeks. Mm-hmm. That is quite an experience. I, I know uh, when our grandson, it was very unexpected, just, just like you, everything was just normal, classic, you know, pregnancy. And, um, there was just a point at which he just quit moving and, and mm-hmm. he was gone. And so, yeah, that, that whole, I'll never forget it. You just being in the mm-hmm. same room with her as things are being confirmed and watching her, you know, as from a grandmother's perspective, you know, and a mother's perspective, watching my daughter, like, how is she going to handle this? What, you know, what is this going to do to her? And, you know, those were my thoughts in the situation because, you know, um, I, I, my concern was, you know, just her response and, um, and then also grieving, of course, my own loss. And Mm -hmm. so of a grandson, our first grandbaby. So um, there is nothing quite like it, um, for sure. And often people ask, you know, oh, was there anything that caused it? Or did you notice any signs that something may have been wrong leading up to your due date? And so can you just answer that question, just because some people might be curious if you had any, any kind of indications? Yes. No indications leading up to that Mm -hmm. point. And then Mm -hmm. we did decide to get a full autopsy done after Mm -hmm. Layla's death and her her stillbirth, and they found nothing conclusive that they could explain why she died. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that actually happens in a lot of cases with stillbirth. Many Mm -hmm. of them are are unexplained. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. for me personally, there was relief in being told that. I really felt the Lord's sovereignty in having numbered Layla's days. And in, mm-hmm. in some ways it was as simple as he called her home. And so medical professionals couldn't find the answers, but uh, I knew that her days mm-hmm. had been numbered only for the womb. Psalm 139 was very precious in those days. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. some people do get answers, other people's other people don't, and we didn't. We didn't know. Mm-hmm. We didn't get answers either, and uh, we chose not to do an autopsy, and and kind of really for that very reason. Just Lord, we know. We know this, this was, you have allowed this. This is what you had ordained before the beginning of time. We don't like Mm it. (laughs) Wasn't, wouldn't, it wouldn't be what we would choose, but we acknowledge that you are almighty and all powerful and sovereign all over all of that. And then there's just all the the processing out of all of that in the coming days, Um, which kind of leads to the next question. Um, So you walked all of that out and it's been seven and a half years. What made you decide to share your story and write it um, in You Are Still a Mother? Hmm. Well, one of the things that I did after Layla's death is I just scoured the internet for stories of Christians who had been through this experience before me. I wanted to hear from mothers who had experienced this kind of loss and survived because Mm -hmm. in the days after Mm -hmm. Layla's death, I didn't see beyond my grief Mm -hmm. in those days, which was terrible Mm -hmm. as you've experienced Mm -hmm. as a grandma Mm -hmm. um, with your daughter. So I was looking 
for stories of saints who had walked this path before me. Mm. And while I found some things and there were some wonderful resources, there were some excellent books on suffering, I suppose as time passed, I thought I might try and write something I wish I had had after right. Layla died mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, about a later term pregnancy, but that could many, all of the truths are the same for whatever stage in pregnancy a woman experiences a loss. So that's why it was certainly wasn't something I planned to do. It was something that happened as, as time passed and I had processed our grief. I had asked right. many questions. I had looked for answers. Mm-hmm, I decided mm-hmm. to write, what would I want to say to a mother who has just experienced the death of her baby? Mm-hmm. And you did you did it absolutely beautifully because while acknowledging the overwhelming sorrow and loneliness and fears, you also um, point to the gospel, um, but with gentleness and understanding, not, you know, well, everything's okay. You know, it, it's, it's just done so well and in such an understanding way. So um, I know that this is just going to be a fantastic resource for for many, many moms. Um, but, you know, in those, in the days that followed Layla's death, can you just, um, maybe just tell us about the grief that you experienced in those days and months? Because uh, for two reasons, one, if a mom has experienced this, I, I feel like she will be, uh, she will be able to relate to it and be able to say, okay, I'm not the only one. And then for the mom who's listening, who has a friend or had a friend or will have a friend or a loved one who walks through this, um, she can hopefully uh, maybe get, uh, gain some understanding so that she can be more, um, you know, just affirming and gentle and be able to really walk well with someone else through this. Yeah. I think initially after you find out that your baby has died, it, it is because we had no warning, it was so mm-hmm. abrupt. So the mm-hmm. shock you enter into and the disbelief, especially in the days before I gave birth, I'm still fully pregnant. I have this mm-hmm. fully formed baby in my womb, but there is no movement. So those were my very, very darkest days where mm-hmm. I was completely helpless. I would just lie in bed holding a hot water bottle, listening to mm-hmm. some some songs on repeat, and we were completely dependent on the support of our Christian family and our church Mm -hmm. specifically. Mm -hmm. Our family all lived overseas, otherwise they would have been there in a second. Mm. So for those listening who maybe want to know how to care for someone initially right after that loss, it's providing meals and it's sending cards and flowers and just expressing your grief for the the loss of that family. Mm -hmm. Um, Our Mm -hmm. pastor came and just read us scripture. And I've never been so parched for God's word as I was Mm. in those days, just desperate for Mm -hmm. manna from heaven, which is Mm -hmm. God's word. And, you know, we should always every day feel that desperation for God's word. Sadly, we Mm -hmm. become complacent, but in the midst of grief, uh, it truly was our lifeline. It was the thing Mm -hmm. that brought us hope. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, they very dark and very terrible days, not without glimmers of hope in, in what I just said, hearing mm-hmm. scripture, having thoughtful Bible passages or verses sent to us. The one that was 
very special to me that I was not familiar with before this moment was Deuteronomy 33 verse 27, that the eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. That Mm. was very precious for me because I felt like I was free falling. Mm-hmm. But to mm-hmm. be reminded that in reality, God's arms were holding me. They would always be there and they would not let me go. My grief mm. was never going to be too much for him. Mm. And that is yeah. such, a, such a comfort because those are the places, I talk about these places that we go specifically in grief where no one else can go with us but God. He's the only yeah. one. And and so although it can be so uh, incredibly overwhelming, there's a, a, a preciousness to it that we are not completely alone. And um, that's, that's something that I think is hard to describe to someone who hasn't experienced it, you know. Um, and, and that's what we found is, is just... The you say that the body of Christ came alongside of you. Your your church was there, and we had um, we had that, but we mainly we had friends just from all different places in our past who were comforting us in different ways. And um, but one of the things that someone did, and this was a dear friend who had lost her first baby five months before, and so everything was fresh in her heart and mind, and. I remember when they lost their baby, um, I just, I had never really known anybody who had had a stillbirth before. And so Mm -hmm. I was really watching closely, like how they were walking through this. And I saw them giving thanks to the Lord. I saw them grieving, but also having moments of laughter. And I thought, how does that even work? You know? And, um, and then I remember the biggest memory is standing in church and looking across over to where they were and both of them just with their arms lifted to the Lord, worshiping Mm -hmm. him. And I'm just thinking, I mean, I would just, I cried buckets, you know, just Mm -hmm. because that was such a testimony, little knowing, not knowing that five months from there, we would walk from then we would walk through the same thing. Now I am not the mother, so I I did not experience the the mother. I mean that is a that is just a place that was a, that was a struggle for me because I could not go there completely with my daughter. It was again mm-hmm. that place that only God could meet her in. I could just be available and listen. But one of the things that our friend did that I'll never forget, she literally drove across the state. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, she got in her car and she drove across it, which was a six or seven hour drive, showed up at the hospital wow. with a balloon and a basket full of just all kinds of sweet things for our daughter, but also just like celebrating that this baby Ugh. existed, you know, I mean, she, it was like, she made it as though it was, as though it almost like it wasn't a stillbirth. She was just, mm-hmm. she wanted to hold the baby. She was, she just did all the things that someone would do if your baby hadn't died. And yes. it, it was such a blessing to us. And so that's another, just another perspective, another thing that maybe those who were walking through or may end up walking through with someone with, uh, um, with someone who's 
gone through this, that acknowledge that baby, acknowledge its life as short as it was, it was still um, very much fully alive and fully human and fully present, you know, um, and matters. So um, if you could see me, I am nodding my head and (laughs) tears in my eyes because I mean, that is a beautiful story. And similarly, we had people, our friend Monica knitted beautiful little booties for for Mm. Layla, though she died, she was marking her preciousness. Mm -hmm. My sister Mm -hmm. sent me a card and it it was a baby car, like a congratulations, right. you had a baby. Mm-hmm. We didn't hear, you know, mothers who experience this. No one congratulates you for having a baby because mm-hmm. the baby died, but you still labored for this baby. And um, yes, I think that is so, so beautiful. I will say, I don't think just anyone could do that. This was a, a precious friend who had been through it, who could understand yes. it. yes. Yes, um, but yes. What you said about acknowledging that person's baby, using mm-hmm. their name, if if they were able to name their baby, if it was a later term loss, that can be less complicated than a very right. early loss maybe. Um, but acknowledging the mm-hmm. most painful thing is to say nothing and yeah, to not exactly. show up. Mm-hmm, Even mm-hmm. the people that maybe said slightly the wrong thing, I... I always felt at least they were trying. Yes, yes, <laughs> at least exactly. they were clumsily entering into trying. It's right. the people that just didn't show up or didn't mm-hmm. say anything that's mm-hmm. that's a lot more painful. Mm-hmm. I, I agree completely. You know, I was um, I was on Instagram earlier, and someone shared something that I thought really tied in with what we are talking about today. Um, and and she shared these these graphics. Um, that said this, do you feel like your children are still part of you after birth? Well, they are. During pregnancy, cells from the fetus cross the placenta and enter the mother's body where they become part of you. And so I guess even for decades, they can find um, the DNA of the of the children that you have carried. And, and so the thought that they never leave you is is absolutely scientifically true. Um, cause we feel like that, you know, every, every baby wow. we've lost, we, we, they never leave us completely. They're always part of us and part of our story. But to have that mm-hmm. proven by science, I thought was just such a wonderful thing. Science always trying to keep up with God, right? <laughs> yeah. I have never heard that before. That is beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was really, uh, quite amazing. Um, so what comfort, uh, specifically in the gospel, why is the gospel the only place to find a comfort during such heartache? I mean, we are just set apart as Christians in suffering in that we are those who grieve with so much hope. Mm -hmm. And I was so grateful to have this hope after Layla died. And there's so much in the gospel that brings us this hope. I mean, you talked about the companionship of the Lord and and that, you know, this kind of grief can feel lonely, even though my spouse and I, my husband and I were grieving together, our experiences were unique. And so mm-hmm. the only person who really understood everything I was going through it was the Lord Jesus, the, the mm-hmm. truest man of sorrows who has ever walked 
the earth. He mm. was the only one who could understand every nuance, every aspect of my suffering and my sadness. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. the one that carried our sorrows and bore mm. our grief and took it mm. all the way to the cross. So the Lord Jesus as a companion in grief to experience the sweetness of that in suffering is such a gift. Um, his, his presence. I had been a Christian for many years, but felt in one sense, like I was meeting him for the first time, you know, yeah. in my suffering, mm -hmm. that I could picture him on the road ahead, carrying his cross more clearly than I ever had before. Mm. And the hope in the gospel of the resurrection became even more precious to us than it had before that Jesus, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, who have died, because he walked through death and walked out of that tomb, so too do we have the hope that these precious children who have died before us and for us one day mm -hmm. that we have that sure hope of the resurrection mm -hmm. just transforms the way we look at death, of course, and that is a wonderful thing. It really is. I remember realizing that it was the first time that I actually looked forward to going to heaven because oh, yeah. I knew that Isaac would be waiting there for us. And mm -hmm. so that was that was a, a new experience that I hadn't had before. But I know that with many of us who have had losses, um, there can be a lot of what ifs that play through our minds in the months and even years that followed. So when did you finally find peace in knowing that God was actually always in control and that you couldn't have done anything differently? Because those those what ifs can really rob us of our peace and even interrupt the, the grieving process um, so that it's not really happening in a healthy way. Yes, I think... I mentioned earlier Psalm 139 was very important and quite early on, just the truth, and I'll read straight from it, One Psalm mm -hmm. 139 verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. I could rest pretty early on actually knowing that the Lord had written Layla's days in her book before she came into being. Mm -hmm. And so I, initially I was very, um, I was asking a lot of questions. What could I have done differently? What if we had rushed into the hospital and ignored the nurse's advice to us? Could we have saved Layla? And this psalm just assured me that we couldn't have done anything. Her days were numbered. They were numbered. The number beside her days was very small and that was hard to accept. But I think I did trust in God's sovereignty earlier on. I think what I wrestled with more is, okay, God is sovereign over all things, the hard things and the good things, but is he good when children mm -hmm. die in the womb, when people experience miscarriage or stillbirth. That for me was a question I really had to wrestle with. Was he good or was he cruel? Mm -hmm. And um, so I had a lot of a lot more of those questions. Mm -hmm. And I um I felt like I was asking questions just like Job. And the verses that came to mind 
were God's answers to Job when he answers him out of the whirlwind. And he says things like, "Were you? have you entered into the springs of the sea? Have you entered the storehouses of snow or commanded the morning? When I read those words from the Lord to Job, I felt like Job, that there are things I cannot understand, that God is big and I am small and I cannot understand all things. But one thing the Bible is very mm-hmm. clear about is that God is good. Mm-hmm. He is kind in all his works. And so I had to leave these mm-hmm. questions with him. There came a point of surrender where I had to believe what the Bible says about mm-hmm. God, that he is always good mm-hmm. and he only ever does good. Uh, and I need to trust that even when his providences are mysterious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you share much of that in your book, um, a lot of more scriptures as well, mom. So um, it's definitely something worth picking up and reading through. Um, you know, a lot of times now for our grandson, um, he was our first. And so our daughter didn't have to go home and explain anything to siblings, but you did, you had your, your little son, Ben. Um, so how did you and your son and your husband help him understand yeah. God's goodness, even though I think having been to loss. come home to and have to try and explain these deep things was, it was hard, but it was also a blessing because we really had to try and simplify these really hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we used right, as sort of right. a teaching tool that my husband has gone on to write a children's book about, the book is called The Moon is Always Round. And this was one of the pictures we used with our son to teach him that Mm. even when things are terribly hard, that God is always good. And the way the moon is used is, you know, every night when we look up at the sky, the moon Mm. looks different each day and each week. Sometimes it's a crescent moon. Sometimes we see a half or a gibbous or a full moon, or maybe we can't see the moon at all. But that doesn't actually change the reality that the moon is always round, even when we can't see all of it. So in the same way, God is Mm -hmm. always good, even when we can't see it or understand it. And I think that is a simple way children can understand Mm -hmm. and and adults can understand too. Absolutely. The simplification of those truths is... Uh, is really is essential because you have to be able to bring those truths to the forefront of your mind in the middle of, you know, trying to yield to the Lord. You know, you, you talk about going through the scripture and, and really what you're saying is, you know, you're letting the scripture inform your view of God, um, even though your feelings aren't necessarily mm-hmm lining up, especially at first (laughs) with those things. And so to have those simple truths, um, I think are, it's absolutely um, really helpful in, in keeping us grounded um, and rooted. And we'll make sure that we leave a link in the show notes to your husband's book as well. Um, Okay. So you uh, write about how to answer this awkward question that comes up once you have lost 
a baby. And that's that question of how many children do you I have? Say, what do you say, as you introduced me at the start, you said um, that I have four children and that is, is my answer to this day, even though the second of those four is Layla, who's in heaven. Um, it, I know this answer can be more complex in different loss situations. So I wouldn't want to say everyone ought to answer the question the same way that I do. Um, but for us, we do include Layla as one of our mm-hmm, children. Mm-hmm. Her death did not undo that fact, that reality that she is our daughter and that I am still her mother, even though I haven't had the privilege of being able to raise her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I answer that I have four children. So we have Ben and Layla, and the Lord has very graciously given us two more children after Layla, one through adoption and one through biology, Zach and Hannah. Mm. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. We do the same thing with our daughter's uh, kids. She has, she has four that are living and then, uh, but she, she's a mother of five. And so we include him as, as much as possible. So when I tell people how many grandchildren I have, I have 10. And, uh, you know, one is just in the, yeah, as my daughter says, he's hit the arrow. So yes. hit the target. So he's an arrow in the target. <laughs> um, all right. So, you know, I, I think another really important practice or um, I guess maybe rhythm, whatever you would want to call it, um, is, is to regularly remember that child. And I know this is our daughter does this. They have their own traditions that they they do when uh, when his birthday uh, comes around. So what are some ways that your yeah, family... I think anniversaries uh, remember, are a very uh, significant Layla. date always. For us, we sort of do have the two dates split apart, the day she died and the mm-hmm. day I gave birth to her. So I think the, the day of her death mm-hmm. does always feel like a somber mm-hmm. day again where we, I mean, the memories can come back so vividly even mm-hmm. seven and a half years later. Uh, but on her birthday, which is the 17th of March, which is St. Mm-hmm. Patrick's Day, but we refer to it now in our house as St. Layla's Day, we mm-hmm. um, we celebrate and give thanks for her. <laughs> I and love it. <laughs> talk about her again to our children, reminding Ben of when he met her and telling Zach and Hannah about their big sister in heaven. We go out for a meal of mm-hmm. remembrance of her. We have the mm-hmm. tradition of letting off yellow helium balloons up into the sky. Um, so we do some sweet things like that. Mm-hmm. Holiday times, mm-hmm. I think parents who have lost a baby always feel their absence more acutely at Christmas. We have Christmas decorations with her name on it that we enjoy putting on the tree. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of lovely things I've heard other people do and that's that's what we do to remember our daughter Mm, that's wonderful so what was the most surprising thing that you learned uh following I think after she had died and I'd given birth I remember being in that hospital room holding this precious baby she was seven pounds And I looked at my husband and I said to him, isn't Mm. Layla with Jesus bodily now? And yet here I am holding her body. And that is when it really, I understood for the first time Mm -hmm. that at death, there is a soul and body separation 
that our souls go right away to be with the Lord, which is better by far. Mm -hmm. But because Jesus has not come back yet to make a new heavens and a new earth, our bodies are still waiting for the resurrection. They have not been made new yet. And so that was something I learned through the death of our daughter, that Mm -hmm. Layla is with Jesus and she is uh, away from all harm and happy, but her story isn't finished yet. She is still awaiting the resurrection. And so I came to understand that in a new way, um, Mm. that she's waiting for the same thing we are, for Christ's Mm. second Mm -hmm. Mm coming. Yes. So, yes, yes, so and I don't think I had understood that, that, thing in common that with separation her. of body and soul. Mm. And, and that's why her body was so precious to us. That's why we spent time with her body in the hospital. Some people might think that mm. seems mm-hmm. a bit strange seeing as she had died. Mm-hmm. But this is the very body that is like a seed planted in the ground mm. awaiting no. uh Jesus to come back and make that very body mm-hmm. new mm-hmm. and imperishable. Right. And it was intricately woven together just to have the opportunity to just look at every crevice and every finger and every fingernail and every toenail and just be able to recognize, um, you know, he has his daddy, his nose, you know, we had that with Isaac, you know, he's got his daddy's nose. And I think, and at one point, um, someone actually, the, the friend that I told you about, she gave me this really sweet little reminder. She said, open up his eyes so you can see the color. Um, so you can just kind of see what his eyes look like. And I was like, oh yeah. Cause you know, you can kind mm-hmm. of tell at the beginning if they're super dark, dark, deep, mm-hmm. deep, dark blue, they tend to turn brown later on. And if they're very yeah. blue, they tend to stay blue. So we could have an idea that his eyes would have probably been blue. And so these little things yes. that you get to take with you, it, this is what you have um, for as long as you walk on this earth, that's all you have. And so the thing that I just found so amazing about all of it was just not having any idea it was coming and yet how God provided. Um, The hospital called um, a a gal to come up and take pictures. And originally the first gal, I don't know, she got a headache or something, so she couldn't come. So this other gal came and we absolutely connected with her on so many, we're still friends with her on Facebook. And this was like 10 years ago. And um, she just took beautiful, beautiful pictures and was just so, Mm -hmm. she was a very calming presence, not intrusive at all, um, because it was just basically family there and a, a few friends. And so we have all these pictures of him and all seven of my daughter's siblings each took a turn Mm -hmm. holding Isaac and we have pictures of each of them holding him. And, you know, I had to kind of do the thing where I, uh, when my husband was coming over with the other kids, um, I said, honey, you Mm -hmm. need to tell them like, he Mm -hmm. is not, his coloration is not going to be normal. Like he's, he's blue and he's purple. And, um, so if they could just be prepared for that and not react to it, um, that would be really helpful to Brittany, I think. And so it was just all these things that I just, the Lord just, he just guided us through the whole thing. And I had always thought before this happened, I thought, I don't know if I could ever 
go up Mm -hmm. and hold someone's baby that had passed away. I just, I didn't think emotionally I could do it well and I would do more harm than good in the situation. And so um, that was something I always wondered. I thought, okay, I don't, I just, I can't see myself doing that well because I love babies. I love babies so much. And, but I'm telling you what, when that little boy was born and they wrapped him up, I could not wait to get my hands on him. And as soon as I got him, everything that would be natural to do with a with a baby that was live, I was doing. I was talking to him. I was kissing him. And that mm-hmm. was, my daughter mm-hmm. told me later, was absolute balm for her soul because it was all the things that she had looked forward to and still got to experience, even though, you know, it was very, a short, very short time. And um, the other advice that our friends gave us, uh, gave uh, our daughter and her husband, stay at the hospital as long as you need to. Yes. Don't let anyone rush you out the door. There is no hurry. And so they spent the rest of the day, the baby was born in the morning, all the rest of the day, overnight and into the next day. And they tried to do some mm-hmm. of the things that they had said they were looking forward to doing. So they turned on a movie and they put the baby between them and they all sat and watched a movie together. And, you mm-hmm. know, so just, and I was just so thankful that they thought of those things and did those things. And we had people speaking into our situation mm-hmm. and encouraging uh, us to linger and not hurry this along. And so um, I just thought I'd share that because I, I think that can add to, uh, you know, just the moms who are listening, it can add to their list of ideas yes. of ways that they can um, yes. maybe be helpful in those situations. But but we know that the, 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 the loss is incredibly, incredibly deep. Um, but how has the pain of your loss changed over the years? Because if a mom is experiencing this, just it's pretty fresh and new. I think I mentioned um, what, earlier, what right after the death you of your her? baby, you, uh, for me personally, I didn't think I would ever recover. I didn't think I would ever feel joy again, truly, or laugh again without mm. there being this sort of layer of pain in the background. Mm. But we have a father in heaven who is in Mm -hmm. the process of healing the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds in Psalm 147. And even though that is a process and won't ever be fully complete until heaven, I have certainly seen the ways that in the past seven and a half years, the Lord Mm -hmm. has been bringing healing into my life. The edges of my grief are not as sharp I, you know, initially you think you'll never, ever, ever stop crying. Mm -hmm. And while I do still cry and it can come back and I can Mm -hmm. weep like it happened yesterday, especially around Mm -hmm. anniversaries, I think I do not, I don't cry as often and I don't, um, Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. carry that heavy grief, feeling it there always. It's always part of me and I, and I wouldn't want it that to go away either. But I will say that God is at work in his children and that he is binding up wounds and bringing healing. And I have seen the ways the Lord has has done that and is continuing to do that Mm. in my life. And so I would want to encourage women in the early Mm. days of loss to uh, keep a soft heart to that kind God who is 
is a healing God, not necessarily completely this side of heaven will carry our griefs, I think, um, till the day we die. Um, heaven is the place where every tear will be wiped away. But yes, mm-hmm. many, many kindnesses from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Um, I'm just so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that you were here today, that you um, that you wrote this sweet little book that um, I have just really, really loved. I mean, the truths in those pages are are they're so um, appropriate for, you know, loss, but they're appropriate for other things as well. And so, you know, the word of God, we, we love it. It's, mm-hmm. it's so, it's such a wonderful well of, of life. And so I love that you share so many scriptures and we'll make sure that we share the scriptures that you mentioned in the show notes, as well as the book um, that your husband wrote, but I would, sure, love, I would love if to. you would uh, close us in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works, and that even in the hard sufferings in this life, that you are with us, that you will sustain us, and that you do bring us so much hope in the gospel. So I just pray for any women listening now going through the terrible grief Mm. of a pregnancy loss, the death of a baby, whether early or late, Father, would you comfort them? Would you comfort them by your spirit, reminding them that they have an older brother, the Lord Jesus, who is a man of sorrows and who understands all the aspects of their grief. We thank you that our babies are safe in the arms of Jesus, safe in heaven, and that one day we will experience the most glorious reunions with them. So we thank you, Lord, for your love and kindness to us and your kindness in uh, caring for our children, especially those that are in heaven before us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.